Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. We're coming to you on 88.3 WPPB. You can also listen, listen to us online at 883WPPB.org. You can always make a donation because we are listener-supported public radio, and we have some interesting guests today, don't we, Sock? We certainly do. Not really my bailiwick, but then again... Uh, they are fascinating people. We have on Pete Wood, who's local boy. Yes. I'm going to call you a local boy. You got it. Boy. Okay. Well, fine. okay. Fine. Okay. Well, you fine. know, the way I'm a girl. Okay. Uh, you're, you're golden boy. You're that, golden. Oh, oh, I see what you did good. there. And we also have <laughs> on Fred, Ro- Fred Romano. And both of you are involved in the sweet science. Yes. And oh, if yeah. people don't know what that is. Of, of pugilism. Boxing. The Marquis de Queensberry. It is Boxing Day here on our show. So open up your your boxes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, we're, we're, we have uh, we have two guys, authors, uh, yeah, fighters themselves, boxers <laughs> themselves, and uh, philosophers. I in the time that we've spoken, uh, who, who uh, are putting their energies to um, celebrating the sweet science among other things. Yeah. So how are you, Bridge? I'm good. I'm good. You know, and it reminds me actually that we went to that dinner at Almond. We, we do come, our, our show is uh, taped at L&W Market, which is right next to Almond. And we went to something called The Sweet Science and it was all the, the writings of A.J. Liebling, of course, right. who was, you know, wrote extensively. Some of the best writing oh I think God. that has been done on sport in general is done on boxing because there, there's so many, uh, well, metaphors, but there's so many actual, like, uh, challenges that we all those of us I have never stepped in a boxing ring I think I did once for like two minutes really yeah it was supposed to be three minutes uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no no I, I after like a minute my hands were down by my ankles I'm like god this is hard uh, I can't but, even but imagine we, we all have our, our personal battles we all have our personal arenas and rings we have to go into True. and I think there's a natural uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll use the word again metaphor of what boxing really represent represents the human condition and uh, we all might not know what it's like to get in a ring and confront another human being with gloves and with fists, but we do know what it's like to get into the, the metaphorical ring and have to fight our own battles and, and take a shot and get back up. Yeah. I mean, it is very, it, it's really interesting because it seems to me, I mean, especially before like gloves were introduced, like really a very violent sport, but it, it isn't really about that because it's a sport. Um, if it was just two guys fighting on the street, which is probably like how it started, you know, that's different. But it, there's it, actually it, a correlation um, between and this is true between uh, like militaristic moments of previous societies when there were a lot of weapons out and a lot of swords or guns out. There was less boxing and fighting. And when the swords and weapons went away on the street in public boxing rose in popularity. So I, I, I think that it's also maybe a pressure valve. As a, as because a, we we are we've talked about this before because we are a violent we're reptilian yeah we're reptilian that's the reptilian brain part because we are a violent species so there is that 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 part but as you said there's also the metaphorical part of getting into it, confined space and facing your fears head on and uh, and, literally. and 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 I again I think the object in life is to not get hit but sometimes you know you have to get hit literally or figuratively to accomplish a goal absolutely and so that's the courage that's the part that i think has always enthralled me and fascinated me by boxers and by anybody that that can do that willingly because i certainly run away from that 
you know, and growing up, my dad, I mean, we grew up really in what I would call like the golden age where it was Howard Cassell, it was Muhammad <laughs> Ali, it, you know, all of those guys. And, and I remember in high school, do you remember what you were called in the yearbook? Uh, what what your title is that, was? Is that a trick question? <laughs> no, we all got had like the most no likely idea. to succeed I don't remember or whatever. High school. Did I go to high school? You went to high school I don't with me. High school. Okay, don't even say that you don't remember because of course you do. But your 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 um, title that you won was the most likely to go to the video. Oh, because I love Warner Wolf at the right, time. Right, right, yeah, of course. Yeah. But we used to watch a lot of sports, and it's a, it's something that I remember really bonding with my dad over was watching you know Muhammad Ali fight. Like that was like watching the heavyweight. That was just a, my dad just lived for that. I never actually went live. Did you ever go to a live? Yeah, well, actually, so my, my pop, among other little careers he had, he was a, uh, a book agent at a certain time. And he he was uh, Larry Merchant and Vic Ziegel's book agent among those two. And Vic Ziegel, who, who wrote for the da Daily News and covered boxing, took me to I think it was the 11th Street gym uh, downtown. And I got to see Emil Griffin spar. Wow. when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And, you know, for those that don't know, Mill Griffin is, is, is kind of known in, in history for uh, having uh, fought a fight where somebody died in the ring, not him. Right. Uh, there's so many more levels of complexity there. Uh, but I can remember going in and smelling the smells of the gym and seeing these guys working and then watching this guy spar and kind of thinking like, this was like from another planet because it certainly wasn't it, it, it belied every instinct I had yeah absolutely yeah. well that's the thing I mean just getting I mean the training that goes on and the you know to go in basically for 45 minutes and if, if you're lucky of course <laughs> and to be to to face someone else and know that you're going to get physically hurt and possibly I don't know humiliated in, in some cases I mean there are famous you know famous fights where you just people just go down in the first 40 seconds you're like oh that you know that's too bad I, and that and in hollywood that would give you a better chance of success going down in the first 40 <laughs> seconds you'll God get more suck. roles you'll get more that is a stereotype that we no longer go by thank okay. you very me too. much hashtag okay me too. hashtag <laughs> me too well anyway that sounds like a really good place for us to take a break and come back <laughs> with pete wood and fred romano to discuss boxing writing the metaphors of facing your fear you're listening to Sundays on and the, the East celebration. End. celebration. Okay, that too. And the celebration. Sundays on the East End. I'm Bridget Leroy. And Alex Akala. And we'll be right back. There is no one for me to blame. Because I know the only thing in my way is me. And we're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And our wonderful producer, Kyle Lynch. We're coming to you from L&W Market, Main Street, Bridgehampton. Grab-and-go food, dry goods, all kinds of wonderful stuff right next to Almond. And you're listening to us on 88.3 WPPB-FM, the only NPR station on all of Long Island. All of Long Island. Well, until, and you, until you get to, like, Brooklyn. And Well, that yeah, and part of Connecticut, right? It is. In fact, I was coming down from New Hampshire on Sunday, and I, I just turned it on. I was going to put on, like, my own playlist, and it hit, hit 88.3, and it was us talking. It was... No, it was me and Eric so, Lemonitas talking. So enough about me. Let's talk about me. Oh, yeah. Let's talk <laughs> about the guys that we have on. Yeah. Let's bring hey on... Hey, guys. Welcome. Hi. Pete. Hey. How are you? Oh, this is great. I'm enjoying your badinage here. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's uh, full of life and vim and vigor. Oh, and uh, thanks. Yeah. No, it's great. And Fred, great to have you here. Wonderful to be here. And now, uh, Pete, you, you grew up out here. Kind of. 
I grew up in the west side uh, of Manhattan. And then when, my, when, a, when a kid took a knife to my brother's throat, we went to New Jersey across the river. Right. And, uh, and that's where I grew up, in, in Bergen County. <coughs> um, How's we, your brother? Uh, now? Well, then. I mean, uh, well, he was, he was um, maybe in elementary school. Okay. Oh, wow. But he, that's he, a tough school. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. It's I a guess, broken leg of lamb. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we were uh, on a hundred, well, maybe 98th Street or something yeah, like it's that. Near I can't old, remember. Near Trinity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. uh, Central Park West. So, uh, and then, um, then we went to Jersey, and then uh, my father did an amazing thing. What? He bought property in Hither Hills. Wow. And. I believe it was for the grand sum of 3500 Get out. And it was on the bluff. Oh, uh, my golly. Yeah, overlooking the ocean. He had a tip at Tin Pan Alley. My dad is a songwriter. And he, his office was in Tin Pan Alley. We know in that, the right? Building. Right. The, exactly, right, right. which is a national treasure right now, which happened to be right next to Jack Dempsey's restaurant. Yes. Oh, boxing. Yeah, there you okay, go. Okay, here we go. I and see a connection. There you go. And... He would come home and he'd, and he'd be sitting down like we're sitting down at this table with Jack Dempsey oh, wow. and Benny Leonard and, uh, and Gene Tunney and all these boxing yeah, Famous, icons. famous names. Yes. Yeah. And what Did they it, tip well? <laughs> I, no, the, 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 no, because they didn't have yeah. a pot to piss in. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, no. right. But there was an affinity. There was a yeah. – uh, the, the fighters saw in the, <coughs> the writers – Something that they longed for, that they liked, that they saw themselves, and of course, writers, writers who sit all day right. at a like, desk wanted right. to be like tough yeah. guys, exactly. right? Like, yeah, it's and they, Norman Mailer. They loved yeah. each other, yeah, because exactly. they Mellor. were both. Guess what? They were both artists, yeah, yeah. and and uh, they saw that unconsciously within themselves, and, and it was an incongruous uh, uh, affiliation. Yes, and so I, my dad, I, I just love. He's such a lovely, gentle. He graced the planet with his music. And I loved his gentility. He was from England, and he came over here, and he did very nicely as a songwriter. He had, we went. What was his name? What's his first name? His name was Guy Wood, okay. and and he, we had a nice house in Montauk, and then he parlayed that when he was getting older, to East Hampton. Because your mom Lane. Jane is still Jane is still here. here. She's still kicking. Still kicking. Just measure. I saw him again. So. Bob Hope, because we're going to talk movies also and tell them. Bob Hope was about Packy East. Packy East, Pac very East. good. What, what's yeah. Packy East? That was his, that was his uh, boxing name because he couldn't tell his folks he was taking fights when he was a kid. Oh, and, wow. And he was a pro fighter. Now, can I ask, I want to ask Fred how he got introduced to, to boxing because we've got this story about yeah, the artists and the, you know, the writers and the, the boxing all sort of being together in Pete's mm -hmm. life. What, what happened in yours? Actually, it was both my grandfathers that were a, a tremendous influence in um, being introduced to the sport. Um, from an early age, I heard stories about uh, Stanley Ketchell and Jack <laughs> Johnson, wow. people going way back to the turn of the century. Yeah. Uh, Jack Dempsey, Georges Carpentier. Is Jack Johnson the great white hope? No. Well, he was the black, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, sorry. Jack Johnson was the fighter. Right, right, and, right. And the story is that they're looking for a great white hope because Jack Johnson is black. And right, right, to, right. But I mean, that, that's the story that was him. based on. Has, James ra has Jones, race right? always, like in the, in the marketing of boxing, has race always been uh, so prevalent in the marketing of boxing? Absolutely. There was a time where uh, white people would not want to watch blacks box. 
so they would not let blacks, uh, you know, feature in fights because they wouldn't, the public wouldn't come out to pay the money to see them. Of course, there was a racial element in that because that was also a good excuse when there was a prominent black fighter. Like Jack and he, Johnson. And he deserved a chance to fight a white champion. Right. They would always say the phrase was that the fight isn't going to draw flies. Because well, that was coded? A, because as a black man in <laughs> That was fight. coded language? Right. But yeah. what it meant was it was an excuse. They didn't right. have to let the black <coughs> fighter, uh, you know, contest for the championship or any other major fight because they said we can't make money on it so we won't do it. Right, So, I, and that's the politics of it. But, yeah. but again, maybe we'll just peel back for briefly. So your introduction was your grandparents, your grandfather. And when did you first go into the ring? Well, I never competed like Peter did, but okay. I trained and I trained at Gleason's for a number of years, which was um, a very exciting experience. And the, the wonderful thing about boxing is that whether you're a world champion or you're a newcomer who comes off the street. In many of the gyms, you walk in, you pay a due, and you're able to train side by side with the champion. I had my locker next to Howard Davis Jr. Wow. So gold, it's really like a equal, great equalizer, yeah. the sport, right? It, it, it and, is. And, and you fought in the garden. Yes. You were golden gloves. Yes, yes. What was we're that talking, like? We're, we're talking to Pete Wood yeah, here Pete, now. Yeah, Pete, like, so how did, now when did you first step into the ring? My stepfather, I was, I'm going to say, 11 years old, and it relates to something you had alluded to, and he was a big wig in the judicial area in Lodi, New Jersey, and since he was a big wig, we got front row tickets, uh, seats, to watch this re amazing event. Guys are fighting each other. Anything less, or anything more would be assault and battery, but right. this, is, this is okay. Yeah. I'm agog at this. It's okay because it's a sport. Because it's right. a, a quote-unquote sport. Right. Even though you play a sport, boxing, you don't play boxing, but it's, it's, um, it's a sport. Right. At the end of the night, they announced the best fighter of the night. And this beautiful boy, still sweating, comes up into the ring. And this beautiful girl kisses him on the cheek and hands him a big golden trophy. <laughs> and the crowd applauds, the stands and applauds. Well, damn it. I'm you a wanted kid. that. That's precisely <laughs> what <laughs> I wanted in my life. Okay. I, I want that. <laughs> I can imagine that. I wanted golden trophies. I wanted pretty girls to kiss me on my cheek. And I wanted the applause of the crowd. Okay. So you were able to overlook the fact that you would also get punched very hard well, in the face. Well, that was the bad thing about it. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> that, was, that was in the, the calm column. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. So I was willing. I just had enough anger in my, me, stepfather, family, blah, blah, blah. Enough anger and hate and sadness and self-esteem issues to have the gasoline to get into the ring and yeah. the boxing w acted as an expectorant to get you know think of this a, yeah. a school bus a school the color of a school bus that's it it took all that out of me yeah well the, and the, you know the shaolin monks uh talk about the need to taste bitterness mm. and you taste bitterness the only way to succeed in life is to taste bitterness. well they say yeah. it in, in in hawaii too no rain no rainbows you know yeah, you got you so got to have the the pain but uh, pete you also and and fred you're b both writers as well and you have several books. You've got Confessions of a Fighter and yeah. your more recent book, The Boy Who Hit Back. Yes. And um, what, 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 like, what, do you try, what is the message that you try to get across in The Boy Who okay. Hit Back? Um, the, if I may, mm -hmm. The Confessions of a Fighter, 
first was hardcover, um, and it was the, the and this relates to what you're just saying. It was called "To Swallow a Toad." That's what the original. Because I saw correct. that on your on on when I when I Googled you, and <coughs> then I couldn't because they changed the title. Right. Okay. To Swallow a Toad, Steve Nicolides, uh, who was the producer of. Uh, to- um, 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 a few good men, Boys in the Hood, and when Harry meets Sally, he was the okay. producer. It worked a lot with Rob Reiner then. Yeah. Okay. A few good men and Harry met Sally with Rob Reiner movies. Right. All right. Okay, yeah. but he was the producer, uh-huh. Steve Nicolitas. His first venture after working with Steven Spielberg was my book. Mm. So they optioned it, but nothing came out. At which that point, hap- you can talk about that. No. <laughs> that well, happens a, a lot. Well, you yeah, gotta take no, a lot of dives in show business. Right, right. <laughs> but look, but to answer the question, yeah, to, to swallow a toad. Why that that reason uh, is if early in the morning you have to swallow a toad for breakfast. Okay, just do it. Get violently ill, but just okay. But the rest of the day, by comparison, is going to be great. So if early <laughs> in the, your lifetime something befalls you, like boxing, whatever. Okay, just do it. Hold that thought. If something befalls you early in your lifetime, get over it, and the rest of your life, by comparison, is going to be good. So this may, it's pretty much a memoir. Let me just do this horrible thing called boxing, which I wasn't bred to do. And uh, I'm but, 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 but the fact that you've written about it, were you, were you always kind of able to detach yourself from your experience? Like when you were going through the training, were you able to kind of have a narrative in your head of this is me going in the ring now? This is me getting hit now? This is me okay. getting that girl and getting that trophy now? Absolutely not. I was completely blind to myself. And that was the way my, my weak link is my brain. So I... <laughs> Sorry, it's just <laughs> funny. But I'm pretty good physically. You know, yeah. I, I have fast, better fast. And I don't think there's anything wrong with your brain, by the way. Well, thank you. But I've learned. I don't know you I've very well, to, of course. Well, <laughs> no, it's good assessment. I thank you. Okay. But um, fast twitch muscle in my mind, my body rather than my mind. Part of the reason why I'm boxing is because I tended to stutter and not self-confident and. As a, as a fighter, I didn't realize when I was hitting the bag, I was hitting my mother and my stepfather. And, but I wouldn't, I wanted to be blind. It because was all buried very deep. Very deep because I didn't want to let myself know that they affected me in any way. I just completely divorced them. You know? well, can I, I want to bring Fred back into the conversation. We we're talking mm-hmm. with Pete Wood and Fred Romano. Fred, uh, you guys have been kind of like, I don't want to say touring together, but you've been showing up at bookstores together and doing kind of talks. So w- what... What do you bring, Fred, to the table that, that kind of offsets mm-hmm. Pete's experience? Well, my When you hit the bag, were you thinking about his mother? <laughs> <laughs> Pete, well, I'm not going to say anything because Pete's here. But <laughs> 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 no, of course oh not. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, honestly, though, what, 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 what is your, why are you guys a good team to, you know, how do you tag team? Pete, Pete is excellent at giving you the insight of the psychological aspect of a fighter. Um, I write about boxing and film, radio and television. And there are some elements that are crossover to Pete's world, particularly in film. Um, In film, we've seen some great portrayals of prize fighters that have really expressed uh, the emotions of a fighter. Mm -hmm. Now take, for example, Raging Bull. 
Oh, I love that. Perhaps one of the greatest film I think it is. Yeah. Um, for many reasons. It's across the board, the acting, the writing, the beautiful cinema photography, uh, the, the use of sweat and blood, uh, things that you would never think. And black and white, would so be, yeah. an interesting choice. It's, it's really a wonderful uh, uh, contribution to film history, not yeah. just you know boxing films. Um, but the portrayal of Jake LaMotta, uh, De Niro's ability to uh, capture the physicality of him and also the, the, the mental aspects, the paranoia <laughs> that Jake LaMotta had, yeah. uh, the self-loathing that he had, uh, the fear that he had. And him doing the, repeating Marlon Brando's speech, right? From, doesn't he do the, I could have been a contender and, been a in contender. the mirror in front of yeah. himself? And, uh, and you've written a book, uh, The Boxing Filmography. So you've gone more than just uh, yeah, you put it, your money where your it, mouth is. And the great thing about writing the book was um, really reviewing in detail some of these films. There were other ones, too. Uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight, for example, with, with Anthony Quinn. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's my, a... You know, one of my favorites is The Harder They Fall. The Harder They Fall. Uh, the Humphrey Bogart uh, plays a kind that. of a down on his, uh, you know, the second part of his career, sports writer, who kind of agrees to pump up a tomato can that the mob wants or the fixer wants. And... He has a, a, a moral crisis. And, and that's an excellent film, too. It, the 50s, they had uh, uh, several into the early 60s. But with Requiem, what's amazing about the performance of Anthony Quinn, it's, it's, it's a really a nuanced performance. Uh, the characterization of an individual who had two polar opposites within him. Mm. The character Mountain Rivera was this uh, very physical, brutish individual on the outside. But uh, the interior, he was gentle, and uh, he was almost childlike. Mm -hmm. So to bring all that together simultaneously in a person it was, uh, was was real, really an excellent job. And Jackie Gleason was and, and, wonderful. And did you always too. were you always drawn to movies and media? Is that from, from an early age? I, I developed an interest in again. My grandfathers were both film uh, buffs. One of my grandfathers would tell us the story of going past the Biograph Studios in the Bronx. This is in the pre-World War I era. Yeah. And they used to see the Gish sisters. Lillian um, and uh, I don't remember the second yeah, one. Yeah, the second one's the one that was not as well known. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they uh, would be on set making film. And these are, this is pre-Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. This is before movies moved out. Yeah. Uh, so he had, he had wonderful stories and tidbits about his uh, experiences with my, uh, the Briegers. My, my pop uh, produced a TV movie in 1980 and Lillian Gish came in to read and she had to be up 85, you know. And he told us the anecdote that she did her part and then she batted her eyes at him and said, I really would like to be in your movie. And it was like show it was like 100 years of show business in that one little moment. Yeah, I guess my, I was looking in here to see if my grandfather directed a, a movie about boxing. I was sure that he did. It may just not have made your book as being one of the good ones. Um, I don't know. I'll look around and see if I can find it. Well, Warner Brothers was, of yeah, course, they made, lots. made a lot of films. Right. So they were... That's my, that's my great All right, so, so um, has the portrayal of boxing changed decade for decade in the different media, in the stories that get told, or is it still the same basic story? And that's one of the attractions is that you kind of cut through all of the new bells and whistles and you get back to like a very primal bit it, of... It is the same story. And the interesting thing about boxing films is the difference between a good film and a, and a poor <coughs> film uh, 
really is in the writing and the, uh, and the acting. Because let's take Rocky, for example. Who do we have? We have a fighter, uh, not too bright, uh, down and out on his luck. He has the cantankerous manager, and he's given the one in a million shot to be world champion. Well, I've just described a hundred boxing movies. Right, so, or no. other movies. They could just, yeah. don't have to be yeah. boxing. I mean, so that's what just distinguishes a basic that story. Movie? I'm going to rebut you, Fred. Yeah. I think it has changed significantly with one film. It was uh, uh, Million Dollar Baby. Mm-hmm. You have essentially a love story there. You have a love story between bedraggled coach right. Uh, the rep, right. uh, and then this and poor the and, and, the, and the girl. Yeah. And it was a, a, a father-daughter love story, uh, which ended heroically. But was a Million Dollar Baby two different source material things that were combined into one story? It was a short story by, uh, I can't remember the fellow's name. I think it was F.X. Tool. Very good, thank F-X you. F.X. Tool? Yes. It's a great name. Yeah, and he's a well-known it, boxing writer. But, he wrote short stories. But, but you know what's funny about that film, and I'd go to Rocky So, and, and to make this point, is that um, that wasn't a boxing movie. That was a movie about... Uh, other things, but it's also it was also right. about uh, you know pulling a plug. It was, it was about yes, life. It was precisely about, you know precisely. And and the way that Rocky, I studied Rocky. I love Rocky. I would and I'm and I'm a big big um, student of film structure. And I would always sit there saying they break they broke a basic rule. Their first act is an hour long. He doesn't get to fight until an hour in. It's true. You know I watched no, it but recently. But then but then I watched it recently and yeah. I realized that's because they structured it as a love story. And Adrian is introduced about 20 minutes in, and that's the actual, that's, it's a love movie. But you also have to see him being the the Shylock or whatever, the one who's going and breaking the thumbs and all of that. Bridget, structurally, from a writing point of view, they actually follow a very traditional love story structure in a sports movie. Right. And as you just mentioned, as Pete mentioned, uh, the love story in boxing, for example, the movie Hurricane, Ruben Hurricane Carter, right. his story, Denzel Washington, uh, another great performance, but what, what is the thread throughout that story? It's really a love story between Ruben Hurricane Carter and Lazarus, the young boy who champions to you know, have Hurricane set, set forth from prison. Right, I, and, and actually another local guy out here, Lou Steele, was one of uh, Hurricane Carter's lawyers. Just giving a little shout out. Well, that sounds like a really good place to uh, ring the bell and go to our corners. Uh, You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokola. We're talking with Pete Wood and Fred Romano about film, boxing, life, and everything else. And uh, Yeah, love. And you're listening to us coming to you from L&W Market. We're on 88.3 WPPB. You can also listen to us online at 88.3 WPPB.org. And we'll be right back after this. back Sundays on the East End. Uh, this is Alex Sokolo. And I'm Bridget Leroy. And we're talking boxing. So guys, pound for pound, 
Who's the fattest boxer ever? <laughs> no? Okay, why don't I take it away since you're just going to be like, okay. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Pete Wood and Fred Romano. Pete, you've been a Golden Gloves contender, yes. and you've uh, boxed in Madison Square Garden. Really, you know, that is not an experience that many of us have. Like, Really sum it up for me. You're also an author, so I know you're good with the, with the words. Um, tell me what it's like to be in the ring. What would the smell, the <coughs> feel, the knowing you're going to hit somebody and hurt them, maybe kill them, or maybe the same thing might happen to you. Tell me about well, that. Well, it, um, it's a great question. Uh, it was an okay uh, question. No, I hope my question is as good as your, you my your answer, answer is as good as, good as, as yeah. yeah um, you know, boxing <laughs> is interesting. It's the only place that you can get paid uh, for killing, where well, you can kill a person and get paid for it at the same time. And, uh, well, I'm Italian, so that's not true. I mean, there are people in my family who got <laughs> money for killing people. Oh, right. well, <laughs> no, well, well, no, but, but in, in most endeavors, the chance of a fatality seems rather small. And in boxing, in any time two people enter a ring, that's, an op that's a potential. Yes, that's true. And there, there's more, I read recently, there's more fatalities in horseback riding. And oh, I hey, that. moose kill more people every year than sharks, and you don't see like moose season in the summer. <laughs> Actually, you kind of do if you're up in New Hampshire. But no, anyway, saying, like yeah, moose I want to get back to the experience of being in the ring in Madison Square Garden. Uh, Bring us there. I, I wanted, always wanted to be uh, a fighter in my own way. Um, I, I, there's a plenty of lawyers, and there are plenty of uh, uh, white collar. Uh, occupations, but not many fighters. Uh, getting in the ring is uh, is an exhilarating experience, and the first time you knock somebody out is like hitting a home run on someone's head, and it, it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling because you're getting rid you're getting rid of all the negativity as gasoline. You know, the negativity is your gasoline. And uh, so, did you have chaos? I mean, you did. I had a lot of chaos in my head. Is, if no, that was chaos, chaos, no, any, oh, and any chaos. technical okay. chaos. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I like any that. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my second fight was a technical chaos knockout. I knocked him down three, three times in the first round. Uh, wow. On, on Google, uh, I'm uh, someone. I'm very gratified. Someone put on Google a uh, first round knockout. A guy that was supposed to win the Golden Gloves. Tall guy. Um, he was six. Three with his afro, he was six eight. And how how tall are you? I'm five eight, five right. eight and a right. half. You're a little guy. And, and with his afro, yeah. you were five eight. <laughs> I'm really tempting fate here by calling a boxer a little guy. I, mean, I might get KO KO'd right now. Okay, but anyway, so bring us back to that so, feeling. So, uh, I could do with my fix, fists what I couldn't do with my brain. I could move people, and at the it, it's when you conquer your fear, when you work when you work or you, you fight well and you establish dominance there's nothing better uh, and at the end of a fight the beautiful thing is you see fighters embrace each other and there's a reason for that because you are embracing yourself in a way or you're seeing yourself in your opponent the qualities and virtues in him that must be in you too. Well, that's always my favorite part of any sports uh, thing is when they shake hands at the end or in baseball, they kind of go down the receiving line. I'm yeah. like, hey, you know, some of the, and because uh, it occurs to me that some of these guys probably like 
boxed next to each other or trained with the same person or they were college roommates or, you know, I mean, with, with, with other sports like football, you'd see these guys beating the shit out of each other and then they, they hug at the end. You go, oh, maybe his sister's married to, you know, him or what, you know, you, there's these connections. It's about connection. And well, what you said earlier, first, you're, you're rubbing souls with each other. You really are. Rubbing and souls. someone said, I think it was, was, uh, Alec. Uh, was Alec? Well, I don't, yeah, said this that it's a here? it's a great equalizer. No, that was me. Okay, no, that was actually you. Fred. That was you. <laughs> that okay. was Fred. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all said, said it. it. Let's it was all a say great it at the equalizer. Same time. Yeah. And quite Are, frankly, I, I, when, yeah. when you're in the ring, yeah. when you're in the the gym, you could be with any black guy, white guy. Latino, it really makes no difference. It comes down to character. It really right. does. And, I don't and, and, and let me ask you this question, because you talked about the feeling of knocking somebody out. Have you been knocked out? No. You've no, never been I, knocked out? I have a nice, uh, I have a, a good jaw. <laughs> I have a good jaw. I have a, uh, I've been, the only have, time. Have you been knocked down? No. Not even, not even close. How many fights have you not fought? Not even close. 15. I was okay. 14 and one. And the only time I lost was when I didn't, wasn't scared of the opponent. I wasn't scared. He, he, I knew he could he could punch me, and it wouldn't hurt me. He can give me his best shot, and that's why I got lost. I, I lost. You uh, lost because you were overconfident. No, I uh, think of a. I, I was sick, I, but I, I don't like the way that sounds. Isn't it? Yeah. He fought. A, he fought a good fight. Buster Douglas fought a good fight that night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was coughing up phlegm, and I went into the ring, seven six and a half pounds lighter than usual because I didn't train. Oh. I couldn't train. I, I had the flu because of my previous fight and uh and i didn't want to lose the fight on the scale so i didn't eat i didn't eat it was like so stupid and uh, I, I came in light uh, one division lighter and uh and he eked out eked out a decision so you know it's okay he fought a good fight but i was sick and then he he admitted to it and i was the, i was the favorite and and, and, and <coughs> when was this 71 all right so you're holding on to it a little bit <laughs> oh, I still Let it dream. Go, Pete. Let it go. I still dream. <laughs> I still watch the fight, and I hopefully it'll end a different end. Yeah. All right. There's a cut. There's a show. A, you know, no, 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 no. There's that. And, and let, all right. It's now, okay. Now that's what the shift, boxing. That's what. Right. That's and, what the Now we're going to shift back to popular culture. I mean, one of the other things about boxing, and I think this was also true with baseball, is in the first 50 years of the 20th century. Probably even now, what you actually saw is whatever the latest immigrant class, whatever who was most recent off the boat, that's who you saw in the ring. So, so you, far you, and away, it was no, the but Irish. You see a lot no, of Jewish I mean, fighters serious. and Irish fighters and Italian yeah. fighters, uh, Asian fighters, right. and so on and so on. So I also think that there's something, and this goes back to the culture, the movies and the television. There's something about the American experience that I think that is is endemic to to, to boxing, where it's a chance to show your characters, a chance to show who you really are. And the best stories are stories, and I use this terminology a lot, uh, heroes punch up and villains punch down. So the best stories are watching the hero inside punch up and get some kind of win, real or metaphorical. I think so. Um, a lot of the early movies, you'll see the ethnic portrayal, uh, Golden Boy and Body and Soul. And that was instrumental in these communities. I mean, for the Jewish community in the 1920s, um, pretty unknown, but there was more Jewish boxing champions in the 1920s than any other ethnic But that group. makes sense, though, when you think about the immigration wave that preceded it by about 25 or 30 years. Right. And so these are, these are first-generation Americans who are saying, this is my chance up. And it, no, was, a, and it was a way for, the, for the, the, the Jews to compete 
um, with other people uh, on an even level and win. Uh, and a lot of people in the juniors community at first didn't embrace boxing until they saw that. They saw that we're getting an opportunity to compete and right. we can show that we are, we can be superior. And Golden and Boy was, was, that was Odette's, right? Yes. Okay. Clifford Odette's. Um, yeah, and Sammy Davis Jr. did it, did a version, and Tony designed it, actually. Oh, I, on, I on Broadway. Yeah. But the film, but uh, the film, the Clif Clifford Odette's uh, wrote the film, right. uh, the play first. Right, of course. It was originally, it was penned for John Garfield. <laughs> but p interestingly, it was politically steered. No, he was, no, he was, he was steered to Luther Adler. And Garfield got the subordinate role as the taxi driver. Oh, right. Uh, brother-in-law. Um, later on, they made the film, and it was a second chance for Garfield to realize the, the role, which was written for him. Right. However, Columbia Studios was doing the film. Garfield was under contract with Warner Brothers, and of course, we know Harry Cohn and um, and Jack Warner. Right. So the politics they, of there. Jack well. Warner was, shot was not going to give his new star to Harry Cohn. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the way Hollywood worked. So it, and, and, and how boxing worked. And interestingly, who gets the role? Well, it made a whole career for William Holden. Right, of course. Wow. Um, well, yeah. Um, and and before, before we came on, uh, Fred, you, you were talking about how boxing kind of helped make radio as a medium. It helped make television as a medium. Well, yeah, because of the announcers, you mean, the, the kind of excitement in... When it first started in 1920 with yeah. radio, uh, people thought radio itself was just a fad. It was, uh, you know, these word pictures on invisible wings, they called it. <laughs> word pictures. But there were a couple of people who realized that was more. One was, one was Sarnoff, David Sarnoff, and the other was the boxing promoter Tex Rickard. So they teamed up together. They actually had to get a, a generator to broadcast radio. They had to borrow it from Franklin Delano Roosevelt, of all people, who was under Secretary of the Navy, and they shipped it down on a barge. And, and this is in your book, The Golden Age of Boxing on Radio and Television. No. And you also have this book, The Boxing Filmography. We didn't give the titles before. So. so they shipped the, uh, the equipment down to broadcast this heavyweight championship fight, Dempsey Carpentier. Well, that was a watershed moment in the history of sports because never again after that would a major sporting event not be covered by the, the current media, whether it was radio and later television. So it really it was a game changer. Right, literally. Um, and it's, it established radio as a, a financially stable industry. And interestingly, the model was repeated with television. Uh, in New York in 1949, 1957, television stations, they all had boxing. So it became a, an important model for revenue for television as well to get on its feet. But boxing also seems to me to be like one of the few solitary, I guess tennis as well, but where you can actually pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like you don't have to be part of a team. You can do it. You can be alone. And I think that's one of the things that makes it so attractive as a, as a character in a film and also as it, for your own character as a person. Yeah. Pete, what yeah. do you think? No, I, I agree. Uh, you're up there. Uh, you're basically naked except for pair of trunks. And you uh, how'd you pick your colors? I'm, I'm Irish and Jewish, so it was green. Do what, my colors? And light blue? or like? <laughs> what was your question? Yeah, how'd your you pick colors. your box? Your trunk colors, your boxing colors. Green, I'm telling you. Yeah, you're I'm Irish. Irish. But, but, you're, wait, you're Irish and Jewish? Yeah. So Aaron go Matzabri? <laughs> I always heard that the reason why there's no anti-Semitism in Ireland is that they never let the Jews in to begin with. No, they're so, no. that's so wrong. The Coens. <laughs> 
The Cohen, the, the, the Cohen, that's the lost tribe, or the Cohens. The Cohens, yeah, exactly. Right, or the Obamas. Oh, okay. The Obamas, half <laughs> oh, Irish. Oh, that's right, that's right. So can we get back to yeah, your question? Yeah, let's go back. Yeah, let's go back. <laughs> what was your we question? digress. Yeah. We digress. No, it's just about character and it being a solitary, you know, something where you can you can strike out and succeed without having <clears> to be <throat> drafted by a team, without, you know, you, I, it's it's left up to you. You don't have to go to college for it or, or you know, play in a minor league. You kind of work your way up. The lure for, for me, I guess I had a feeling of lack. Uh, my father was a songwriter and he was was not athletic as such. He was not non-athletic, but he was kind of, he was an artist. And my mother was a designer, a clothes designer, and her feet are never on the ground, were never on the ground. And I felt I had to somehow balance them out by digging into the earth mm. with my claws. And because I felt they were, there was so, you, you get the what I'm saying. It was a, a, a ethereal. Yeah, so ethereal and beautiful, too. I mean, really, I, I love them both. But I felt the need. I couldn't go through life as a guy. I had to be, uh, so I over, overdid it. And, but I also, boxing was my way is to go down to the basement of my soul to see what was there. Because I was a little uh, pressure. Did you know that at the time? Yes. Or is that just in retrospect? Yes. You did. No, I, I knew that, but I couldn't verbalize it. And I knew, I, what I knew better at the time was that I, was, I knew it was a test and I knew I didn't want to be a 50, 60 year old guy still fighting, still fighting in a different way. I wanted to prove myself so that I can give myself the right to become a, an author. A rite mm -hmm. of passage. Yes, I, uh, one last right, sentence. Right, W-R-I-T-E. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I knew I wanted to become a writer, but I wanted to make sure that I didn't want to be a you writer. You sound like a real glutton for punishment. <laughs> right, no, boxing no, and I'm writing? a gour gourmet for okay, gourmet. <laughs> well, listen, you know what? We're going to take another break, and we're going to come back and talk with Pete Wood and Fred Romano. We're going to talk about writing. We've talked about films. We've talked about boxing, and you're both authors and writers, and we want to discuss that, too. So you're listening to Sundays on the East End with... Alec Sokolow and Bridget Leroy and we're coming to you from L&W Market in Bridgehampton with our producer Kyle Lynch on 88.3 WPPB. We'll be right back. Hi, we're back. Bridget Leroy. Alex Sokolow. On Sundays on the East End. I'm rushing through things as we wrap. We're getting into our last little bit here, our last, um, what do you call you it? Wanna, Ding. No, we're getting into the later rounds. Uh, later the, round, um, our last but, round. But uh, you were talking about uh, uh, people of notoriety in, in politics and otherwise that are huge boxing fans. You were really, like, on our break, you were kind of, like, trying to get them to punch you. You were saying all kinds of stuff. I'm a minor irritant. <laughs> minor? <laughs> I guess I, I've developed calluses toward you. But anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. I don't want to get... Hi, Pete. You, you, you're, I don't want to get between you, Ty. You, <laughs> yeah. you do not want to get between us. I tell you what you do want to do. <laughs> what? You want to kick him in the nuts. No! You I, said that to me. Oh, I didn't... I, you I, said that I, to no, me. No, I told you to do that. Just to see what his Old reaction Iron would Balls be. Old Iron Balls McGinty here? <laughs> <laughs> Iron Balls Sokolow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You God, asked me a very good question. Thanks for giving me away. Jesus no, Christ. Okay. <laughs> Boy, I just wanted to see what he would do. That's no, all. Right, so, I just so to see what would happen. Who in politics are big boxing guys? Or women? Well, Thank Joyce Carol Oates is a wonderful author. Yeah. And she wrote a seminal book called On Boxing. And she loved 
boxing. She's be- a local out here too. I've interviewed her. Yeah. Her, she and her grandfather would watch the fights, and she was very close with them. And so I love it when an intellectual, if I use that word, embraces the sport of a day class A sport of boxing. Right. I love that because they're open to things like you two are. But that's like AJ Liebling. I mean, the same thing as <coughs> you get someone who's sort of like a hoity toity, you know, essayist choosing boxing to write about it. I, it, it. It strikes a chord in people. And I think a lot of people, oh, they, they, the first blush is, is oh, oh, it's a horrible sport. Yeah, it's a horrible sport. But there's more violence. There's more violence outside the ring than inside the ring. And the one. The, Violence inside a ring is honest. It's true. Uh, the violence outside is political, social, um, which also goes to like yeah. like refs, right? Because I mean, uh, scoring in boxing. Because I think the one thing about boxing is the, the tradition of like the judges <coughs> kind of always seem a little bit like they never got that right, in my opinion, in the sport. And there's a reason for that because this is a bizarre. This is great. This is horrible. The, um, this is great. This is horrible. I know, Did I know. you just say it in the same yeah. sentence? Yeah, but thanks for pointing that out. Um, um, <laughs> Take him in the nuts. <laughs> uh, the promoter who's promoting a certain fighter also is responsible for getting the judges. So the judges that they want their money have to do it. There's, there's a certain, there's a, a tacit uh, pressure. But you also have Joyce Carol Oates. Right. Yeah. Who was a, a David Remnick has written some brilliant books on boxing as well. I, I have him listed. I have twenty to twenty, uh, fifteen to twenty articles, just based on the people, the incongruous people you wouldn't think would be boxing or yeah. boxers. Well, George Plimpton, uh, oh yeah, great boxing writer. Yes, and he's been in the ring with Archie Moore, and he got a nice bloody nose. Mm-hmm. I wrote about that in. Well, we're Here. talking about writing now, and we're talking. You, you've written quite a few books, and your latest is "The Boy Who Hit Back." What what kind of made you want to write that? And then we're also going to bring Fred back into the conversation with his uh, interest <coughs> in boxing as a as a subject. I, I wanted to connect with people. I wanted male or female to connect with my characters because I think a lot of people are suffering in silence, and I my characters are suffering in silence. Uh, but doesn't mean so that they have an outlet. They have an outlet. But, but this, this is my last one is not about boxing. This right. is about growing up. Right. And the uh, boy who hit back. The boy who hit back. Thank you. And uh, it's also about uh, escape, where people. I think escape is good. Um, you just have to come back for the next chapter. Right. Like um, to, uh, Huck Finn. I think we all have a little bit of Huck Finn in us. You get out on the get you, out on the water. And you get, get on the route. What is this all about with your friend? And then the next chapter, go to the next town, and then right. be confronted with the same skullduggery and BS and, and racism, and and yeah. racism, yeah, all and, of and that, and the unfairness of the world. And then you yeah. go back on the raft. Yeah. So I, quite frankly, last night I did my own escape. Do you want me to tell you what it is? Oh it's, my God, I don't know what. Well, I'll tell you. Okay. okay. Is it legal? Yeah, and it's but it's shameful, and I'm a little he took humiliated. Took a little pause before before he answered the legal. Okay, now I'm intrigued. Yes. Are you going to be so disappointed? I the am. Answer? I'm writing, and I'm having a hard time, and I go to my, uh, um, what's it called? This is my word retrieval, uh, solitaire. You play, you play solitaire on the screen, or do you play it? Uh, no, no, on screen. Okay. On screen. That's boring. I thought that's you were going to make boring. something up that's better. Okay, I'll give you another boring one. I'll go and run. Okay. Or I'll go to the gym. Okay. I'm not going to tell you about the other ones. <laughs> not on okay. the air. Right, no. have, you, have you guys heard about the, it's, the sport of boxing and chess? Yes. 
What? They're, they're in Bobby Gleason's gym. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just the, picturing something that. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's legitimately. It's it's yeah. you, you you fight around and then in in the in the minute in between you play chess and then you fight around and you play yeah. chess because it uses the two opposite sides of your entire brain and body and and critical thinking. Oh, it's kind of like what we do during our breaks. Where we, where we fight each other. Except except it's real. It's not what we do. Right, okay. Uh, no, yeah, no I mean, that. we actually wrestle during the I, breaks. I, I've, at Bobby Gleason's gym, you also have... Uh, well, boxing is uh, uh, ballet with blood, someone yeah. said. And you also have... A, I, there was an orchestra. Not an orchestra. Uh, it's a little ensemble mm-hmm. playing in the in the ring. You know, so it's the incongruity is fantastic. You go to Bobby Gleason's and you see, you see actors. You don't actors. get that with any other sport. Like the, you, you don't get someone setting up an orchestra and an ensemble during a baseball game. It's just really interesting that this that there's something about boxing that brings out the the poetry. Well, it's a calm in intensity. It's you have to stay calm, and you have to be intense. And and, and what Fred said is so true. Uh, I was training with, with, uh, uh, contenders and champions. Uh, you know, there's, he's hitting the bag. I'm hitting the bag, and you're 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 not playing. You're, you're fool, you can fool around with them. It's like being on the on the diamond with the with the Yankees. When yeah. were you the most intimidated? Was there, by whom? When uh, I was I was intimidated um, every you know quite frequently, uh, but that raised my level of, of playing. But was there someone where, that you faced, whether it was in the ring or in, in you know, it, during a, not rehearsal, a yeah, yeah. warm up where you went, oh my God, that guy has like murder in his eyes. I, I, was, in, I was intimidated at sparring. And that's where most of the damage happens. Not in the, it's sparring because you're, you're working, uh, you're going five days a week. And uh, I, there would be certain guys I didn't want to, I wanted, didn't want to spar a guy and he's, he's died uh, with sickle cell anemia, but he, his name was Jimmy Hargroves, who was a pro, and but he took it easy on me. He, but well, he, he was working also. He, yeah, and it got to the point where I dominated. I don't want to use the word dominate. I beat him. Well, yeah, end. he's dead. He can't defend himself. No, exactly. Well, you know, I mean, Jerry Cooney wrote a column for us uh, for years, and he's such a nice guy. You know, yeah, he wrote a column for the Cooney. Independent, and but I remember seeing that fight and just watching Tyson's eyes, just like go, just like he was, you know, Jerry was like kind of bouncing around no, like a bunny. I think you mean Ali, not Tyson. Um, no, he, he, Cooney didn't fight Tyson. No, no, they didn't no, fight sorry. each other. I'm sorry. I meant, uh, I meant Ali. Yes, yeah. and just watching uh, his eyes just going. All right. So forth d- and Desert back Island, forth. Desert Island. You get five boxing movies. What are they? Okay. Well, I'm going to take Rocky. Okay. So you'll be happy about that. I Rocky. am. The beauty about Rocky is it takes cardboard characters and it and it adds rich, rich dimensions. Think about uh, the Paulie. He's comic relief. Then think about the scene with him and Adrian as they, they're fighting and they're they're really they're really going back and forth about their, their you know they have this embittered relationship, and uh, so the characters in that movie were fantastic. Okay. Um, obviously, Raging Bull we talked about. Right. Um, Requiem for a Heavyweight again. Requiem for a Heavyweight is a movie that asks the question, where does a person go when they're stripped of their self identity? It's just an amazing. It's an amazing theme to that movie. Mountain Rivera is a boxer. That's all he's known his whole life. Mm-hmm. He almost gets to the top. He almost becomes champion. But now he's, he's done. He's done, and they're gonna throw him to the wolves. And he doesn't know where to go, who to turn to. The only person he's ever turned to is his manager and his trainer. Um, the Mickey, dark. The darker side of that is, is on the waterfront. Which is not a boxing right. movie, but it's no, boxing it just has plays that prevalently great, in yeah. uh, has that in the great monologue. But sure. Wait, so we've got we've got Raging Bull, we've got Rocky, and we've got Requiem for a Heavyweight. You get two more. Get two more. 
Somebody Up There Likes Me. That's that's a good movie. Um, I really enjoyed uh, The Harder They Fall Yeah, as well. Written um, by the same guy that wrote uh, On the Shulberg? Waterfront. Yeah, Schulberg. Yeah, Schulberg. who he's, lived he's, out here, yeah. West Hampton. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Harder They Fall, uh, it really uh, gets to the to the bottom of the sport of boxing. It takes the stone, if boxing was a stone, it would take the stone and turn it over and reveal the what squirms beneath. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a, a really good expose of what was what was wrong and in some respects is still wrong with the sport. Uh, the, the use of fighters, the way that fighters are, are mistreated, uh, they're, they're treated in some, in some cases like they treat like cattle. And they're, yeah. they're a commodity. And when they're done and they have no value, they're just cast aside. All right, what's the fifth one? Um, the fifth one. It's hard, uh, there's right? so many. There's um, I, I this could be a split decision. I tend to like a lot of the old ones. You know, <laughs> yeah, the set up with Robert Ryan and, and, and maybe a tie with, with Fat City. I'll talk about Fat City. What about what was the great When They Were Kings? Is that what it was called? Well, that was the, a documentary. The, the documentary. Yeah. Oh, I love oh, that. Wonder, yeah. wonderful so documentary. How, how about you, Peter? I'm like sorry, five, yeah. Desert Island, five boxing movies. I would say those, but I would put in. Um, Fat City, and I would put we ha- uh, million dollar baby, million dollar like, baby, yeah. million dollar, million dollar baby. baby. Um, and that was a great question. It's uh, there's so many, and there are other good ones. Uh, Champion uh, with Ryan, you Robert didn't say Ryan, Hurricane, Kirk, Kirk you'd Douglas, mentioned, Kirk but Douglas, yeah, Champion, but, right. but and, and the Champ was. They had two versions. They did the King Vidor, and then. In uh, '79, oh. if they, they oh. had the remake. Yeah. What, what about Ali, the movie that came out a few years ago? That no one not, particularly liked it. Not so good. It's really but hard to. I didn't see it. Capture Ali. To capture yeah. that man in a movie is. Yeah, is, well, it's kind of like why incredibly incredibly there's never really going to be a good Elvis or Rat Pack mm-hmm. movie either. It's like because there was the, only yeah. one of them. Yeah, they were so charismatic and electric in right. real life. You can't recapture that. Right. Right. When you reach Catharsis, there was one boxing film that I reached Catharsis. And I, I, it was the first time I, in my life, and that was The Champ. The Champ. When the father was lying and he died, and yeah. I think it was Ricky Schroeder that I saw, and he was, was the yeah. champ, the champ. I'm willing him now. I'm willing him. It, yeah. It's just, I couldn't well, believe it. Well, what about The Fighter? That came out a few years ago, wasn't it? The that was good. All right, and now let's talk winner. about books, like what best boxing books that you haven't written. That yes, you haven't of you have written. <laughs> what's the best boxing <laughs> book? There was a book by Fraser Scott who turned over, he fought a, uh, a fight that he was told to take a dive in South Africa. It's, it's called, called Weigh-In. What's it Weigh-in, called? Weigh-in. Weigh-in. Very Weigh-in. good. What's the name Weigh-in. And one, the, a visceral, where I, I was on the jitney coming in back to, to, to here, and it was called um, The Sixteenth Round by Reuben Hurricane Carter and his oh, background. Wow. It was like, I, it was like a a baked potato was stuck in my throat. Oh, it was goodness. it was horrible. I, I think the guy is guilty. I think this guy is guilty. But it was yeah. so difficult to read. I think um, Joyce Carol Oates' book is yeah. called Unboxing. That's three. I have so many. Uh, oh, Tyson. The book on Tyson. Yeah. And then there's a book where it's a biography. The Tyson book. It's not an autobiography. Right. So it's a right. right. And then there's one on fighting Ali where. The fellows who fought Ali give a chapter about fighting Ali, what, what it was, was like. like. Yeah, that must and, have been something. And, and I'm sure I'm missing quite a few, but that's... Well, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Fred? Well, there is, I'm working on a boxing project now called the Genome Project. Okay. And um, identifying boxing books as part of the project. There's about 5,000 
boxing books in the English language that are known to exist. There's, there's probably more, so there's quite a list to choose from. Undoubtedly, unboxing is just, Joyce Carol Oates just takes writing to another level mm -hmm. and um, looks at boxing from a you know, perspective that no one's done before. There was a, a good book by a fellow by the name of Mark Cram, um, Ghosts of Manila, which is a book about Muhammad Ali, and there's been probably a hundred books that have been done Ali. The interesting thing about this book is it wasn't necessarily the most flattering book about Ali, and that what I like is that it gives another perspective. I am right. a Muhammad Ali fan, but it's always good to see that writers are going in there. They're looking to talk about things that maybe aren't uh, you know, being written about all I, the time. I actually was at the Ali uh, Museum in Louisville the day he died. Uh, I just happened to be there, and I was in there. And uh, if you have a chance to be in Louisville, go to, to this five-story building. It has uh, you know, two, two floors about his career, two, uh, one floor about his social significance, and then two floors currently about education and about all these other things. It's a really cool place. Yeah, I think it's the Muhammad Ali uh, Museum and Cultural Center. Exactly. Well, this has been an enlightening conversation. I've really enjoyed having Pete Wood. Fred Romano, it's been uh, terrific talking about your books and film and boxing and its kind of cultural significance. What do you think, Sock? What do I think? I think this is an amazing topic. I think everybody that is listening uh, out in Long Island, there are a lot of gyms and classes. Get get in the ring, you know, challenge yourself or, 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 or just, you know, figure out a way that you can kind of like uh, go into the chasms of your soul to see what you're really made of. I think that's a really cool uh idea that, that came forth in this well, conversation. Thanks to both of you for coming on the show. Do you guys have websites that people can check out? I do. What's yours, Pete? It's peterwwood.com. Okay. And Fred? Uh, frederickromano.net. Frederickromano.net. Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And uh, you're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. On 88.3 WPPB-FM. We'll be back next week. Yes, everybody be well and stay well. It wasn't him, Charlie, it was you. You remember that night at the garden, you came down my dressing room and you said, kid, this ain't your night. We're going for the price on Wilson. Remember that? This ain't your night. My night. I could have taken Wilson apart that night. So what happens? He gets a title shot outdoors in a ballpark and what do I get? A one-way ticket to Palookaville. I was never no good after that night, Charlie. It was like a peak you reach and then it's downhill.